Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Welcome back, Savvy Souls. So in this episode of the Unlikely Artist Podcast, we're going to talk about visions, specifically some visions that I have that are part of the story I often tell, and about you listening to the silenced parts of you. So I have this story that people keep asking me to tell, and I've talked about it here on this podcast before, but briefly, I used to be an international tax lawyer. I was on Bay Street in downtown Toronto. That's kind of like Wall Street in the U.S. And very logical, linear, high reasoning kind of job. Back when I was a child, I'd been very interested in art when I was very young, but I had one of those experiences so many of you tell me about where I had an art teacher, in my case in grade five, who made some critical comments about one of my pieces of art, and that shut me down completely. I cried for days afterwards, actually for a whole month, and spent the next several decades telling myself I wasn't artistic or creative. Then when I was 54 on a trip to Paris, uh, we were there in February and the museums were all empty, the galleries were empty, and it allowed me to just really take in the paintings, take in the artistic spirits of their creators, and really just fall into that feeling. And by the end of the trip, I started to have really intense visions of me painting big canvases. And I could see every detail on the canvas, even though I told myself that I had no imagination and couldn't create anything. I saw myself in front of these canvases and they were so detailed. And I had this extreme feeling of bliss during these visions and the visions continued after I got home to Toronto and my ex said, Hey, Heather, why don't you journal them? And I wrote down the visions that I had. I got up to 51 different canvases that I could see very, very uh, specifically. And this led to a transformation in my life. Within eight months, I had, left my long-term job as a lawyer and was teaching myself how to paint. And within less than a year, I was showing my work publicly and selling it. So when I talk about this story, there's kind of three responses. Two of them are kind of wrapped up together. Um, so the first response is just from people that kind of go, yeah, that's pretty weird. I don't really want to hear this stuff. Um, you're weird. Anyway, if that's kind of how you think about these stories about visions, it's totally fine. I respect that. And this episode is not for you. You're not going to get anything out of it. And then the second category of people feel inspired 
by the vision. They sense a possibility in what happened to me for them. And the third category of people, which are sometimes combined with the second category, are people that feel kind of intimidated by my vision or kind of deprived because it's something like that's not available to them, they're thinking. So it's really those second two categories I want to dive into in this episode because there's a learning in here for you if you just hang with me. So people who feel inspired, there's a part of them who would love to have something like that happen to them. This magical moment, this magical force, this outside intervention, these visions from heaven that say, hey, here you go. Yes, yes, this might work for me. They they want that kind of signal that this thing that they've always wished could be true is possible. There's something living in their heart. And when they hear my story, that thing living in their heart becomes alive a little bit. And so they, they feel inspired and they wish for a communication like this. They wish for a communication like, oh, you have this amazing talent and this power inside you. So they feel inspired because of the sense of possibility waking up something inside them. And that's great. Some people hear my story and they race off with the possibility and just start opening their mind to that voice inside them that's ready to be heard. But yet there's this other larger category of people that feel kind of intimidated or deprived when they hear my story because they believe they're not like me. They believe that I'm some kind of special creature. Heather's being anointed or blessed, uh, but I'm not that way. I don't have these visions. I can't have this. So if you're in that category of people who hear my story, but feel that that combination of I wish this were true, but I can't have that. I want to give you a different way to frame my visions so you can see the possibilities in them for you. The way I've told the story and kind of believed it is that my visions were like a light switch, a light switch you could turn on or off. So that teacher in grade five had kind of turned it off. And then it took me several decades until I had these visions and it turned the light switch back on. And I needed those visions to have the light switch turned back on. But as I've reflected on this and I've been thinking, I keep remembering these other things that happened between that grade five teacher and the me having those visions when I was 54. For example, in grade eight, I had a teacher, well, grade seven and eight, I had a teacher, a homeroom teacher for grade seven and eight, who is an art teacher. And we tried all these different media medias, and we all found something that worked for us. I remember we learned tie-dye and I did this spectacular flamingo tie-dye that was 
quite extraordinarily good that people thought was amazing. Uh, we learned how to do Ukrainian Easter eggs and I did a beautiful, beautiful design. But I would dismiss those things and somehow call them not art. Like they're not real art. They're not in the category of art that my grade five teacher had kind of dismissed. Or we also used to take class trips. I lived in Saskatoon in the prairies and we would take class trips to various parts that we could go to by bus for a week. And I remember we took one class trip down to the Rockies. And during that trip, I did all these sketches of the mountains. But for some reason, I remember thinking that those don't really count as art. I got a camera when I was 17. I spent most of the money from one of my first jobs on this camera it was a Pentax K1000. I remember that. And I remember one of the first photos I took with it was a photo of a sunrise sunset over a lake. And it was so beautiful that uh, my dad framed it and hung it in our house. Later on as uh, an adult, uh, we bought a house and it uh, had a big, big maple tree in the front that died like literally one month after we got the house, this enormous Norwegian maple tree died and it had basically taken up the whole postage stamp size front yard. So I started gardening and came up with the garden design myself and just had a natural instinct for how to layer plants and group plants and make them look good. Nobody had to teach me that. Later on, I started focusing on uh, when we had a house, redecorating the rooms one by one. This is stuff I do in my spare time when I was lawyering. And I learned how to draw the room so I could picture what I was planning. And I practiced and I got better and better until I was designing really beautiful rooms. Or this other memory came up just the other day and I totally repressed it because it's so hard to deny that this is artistic. When I, when my kids were young, when they were, I don't know, maybe Alana was five or so and James was eight or so, we had this room in the basement where we stored their toys and it was, it had kind of cement walls. It wasn't very welcoming. And I realized if we just got a light installed in the room if we painted the walls together like a jungle, it would feel really open and expansive. So James and Alana and I spent a weekend painting these trees and these birds in this jungle room. But, you know, I thought that was just a kid's, kid's room and it didn't count. So I kept discrediting the creativity inside me all those years between my grade five teacher and my painting visions. I would say, oh, this is just design. It's it's not really art. It's not artistic. It's, it's not skilled. Anybody could do this. I put it down. But I can see now the story of my visions being like an on-off switch isn't quite true. It isn't quite true in a way that makes other people think that it's not for them, that they can't have what I have. So what is true is there was a part of me I'd repressed. I'd held it quiet. 
I hadn't allowed to surface. The creativity was always in me. Don't know if you can hear that noise going by. It's a big farm vehicle because I do live in the countryside. Anyway, this creativity was always in me. It never left me. It had been slipping out in little cracks all those years, trying to track my attention in the things I believed didn't require any artistic talent. I allowed those things. It was slipping out in the things I explained by categorizing them in a different way. My visions, when I had them, came from the part of me that was saying, wake up, notice me, you are me. That part of me just couldn't contain itself any longer. It couldn't be silenced any longer. It was ready to come out. Maybe the spirits of the paintings in the Louvre or the Rodin Museum's sculptures were speaking to me. Maybe Rodin and Manet were speaking to me. In any event, that part of me was ready to come out. And it was finally willing to force itself to be noticed. Here's what you need to know. My experience isn't unique. My visions might be unique. I know lots of people have visions, but most people don't. You don't have to have visions. The visions were just the way that part of me decided to make itself be heard. But you don't have to have visions to hear the parts of you you may have been silencing. The parts of you you haven't been hearing. All you need to do is develop a kind of awareness of what's going on inside you and a willingness to witness and feel what's coming up, to not dismiss it, to not argue all the logical reasons that voice inside you is something you shouldn't pay attention to. It is something you should pay attention to. You can probably tell that I'm getting excited because I've noticed when I listen to my own podcasts, I speak pretty slowly, but sometimes I get excited and I ramp up. So for you, it's an awareness that you can develop, an approach you can start adopting right now. So you can start to notice the parts of you that are yearning to come out, the parts of you that are trying to slip into your awareness and crying, please notice me. After I had my painting visions, I started studying myself. That's really what the painting visions got me to do. I started to think about the things that had tried to signal to me before, but I hadn't paid attention. I started to notice all the creative activities I'd been pursuing and discrediting. The ways the strength survey, I've talked about that before, had informed me just briefly. That's a survey they had the tax partners do to see what our strengths were at work. And it said my number one strength was my ability to see beauty. Huh? Right? That was a strong signal I ignored. I just said, oh, that's weird. And I was ashamed. Or just my artistic parts of me are nature related. So I always had this desire to collect rocks on my travels. And secretly, these rocks spoke to me. We'd go for a walk along a beach in a new area, and I would co collect rocks that seemed to sing out to me. Those were part of the way art appears to me. I... It, started to remember the way I felt when I saw a rainbow or felt transformed when I saw light 
shining on a branch of a tree. All of these things were signals from the part of me that wanted to come out, but I hadn't been allowing to come out until my trip to Paris. So my question for you is what part of you is yearning to come out? So you might not know that. Here are some techniques to help you to become aware of those parts of you. First, write down, or sometimes when I talk about writing down, you just, if you're not a writer, you don't enjoy writing and that would put you off the activity. Instead, when I talk about writing, just think about dictating. Uh, there's voice recorder or other apps on your cell phone where you can just open the app and dictate your thoughts. You'll be amazed when I use something like that. The stuff that comes up for me that doesn't come up for me when I write down, it's pretty incredible. Sometimes I can't believe I said it. So what I'd like you to do is write about people you admire or talk on your cell phone about them, about the people you'd like to be like, people where you're thinking about them. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to do that? Wouldn't be wouldn't it be amazing to be like that? Wouldn't it be amazing to live like that? And then after you've done that, you can do it about several people. I'd suggest you do it about several people over a week or a month, just all these different people that pop up. And then notice the common themes. Notice the attributes of those people. Notice the common things that they're doing and the ways of being that you are admiring. And then what I want to tell you is these things are somehow in you. And I want you to not just dismiss that, not say that's ridiculous, but really sit down and say, how are these things true about me? How are these things in me? What is this telling me about the parts of me that want to come out? A second thing that you can do is really spend some time recall, recalling what it was like when you were a child. When I say when you were a child, I'm really thinking of early years, like four or five, six, seven, the times when you still felt free and uninhibited. And you had that sense of self-confidence. You hadn't been shut down in any way. So for me, when I think about being really young, I remember I just wanted to color. Like I had all these incredible toys and Barbie dolls and things like that. And I would bribe my friends that if they wanted to play with my toys, they had to color with me first. Like it was always like, we have to color when we go to Heather's before we can do the other things. Even when it came to Barbie dolls, my favorite thing about Barbie dolls was to construct villages um, with, we turn, I'd get, um, cereal boxes, like rice crispy boxes, and I'd cut them apart, turn them inside out. So I'd have like a blank page and I would, you know, use scotch tape and staples and make houses and draw all over them. I'd make villages. Or I remember we had a train set or my older brother played with dinky toys. Actually, I played with dinky toys or one of my favorite thing. And we'd make villages and construct them with little materials, popsicle sticks and cotton, cotton balls and other things. So those were like the things that I love to do 
when I was that age, when you look and consider, when you look at and consider the things that you like to do at that age, they'll give you some signals about parts of you that you, you might be silencing. Also look at what things you dream about, what things come up when you daydream especially, and yet feel badly that you can't do those. What things wake you up with that feeling of longing in the middle of the night or in the morning? What things do you notice other people doing that fill you with envy? Often those feelings of longing or envy or yearning, the things that wake you up or make you feel strongly like that, those are signals about a part of you that exists and wants to be heard that you're silencing. Or when you go to a party with strangers or you're networking, any, any place where you're going to be meeting people that you don't know very well, meeting lots of new people, ask yourself or notice what people you enjoy meeting the most and why. What conversations inspire you and light you up? Like what stories do you like to be told? What stories do you like to hear about? And then after you've noticed that, ask yourself why and what is in me that lights up? What is in me that lights up because it wants to be heard because I'm in these people's stories? Or similarly to that, if you're not an outgoing type and you're at home and you watch movies or YouTube videos or anything visual or you read stories, what movies and stories excite you and make you feel more alive and why and what parts of you feel more alive and what wants to be heard and become more alive now? So these are just five ways I thought of off the top of my head five ways you can notice what things inside you want to be heard. You don't need to have visions, just notice the people you admire, what you remember, what you love to do when you were a little kid. Notice what things you dream about and feel badly that you can't do, that you have a longing or feeling of envy about. Notice the conversations you love to have, the stories you like to hear when you meet strangers, notice what lights you up in movies and stories and books. These are all signals. They're all clues to the parts of you you've been silencing or not fully hearing. They're ready to be heard and it's time for you to listen. What I want you to know really in this episode, I want you to get from it is to believe there's the same magic in you as I discovered in myself. Yes, I had visions that helped me hear these voices in me, but I didn't have this podcast. I didn't have somebody in my ear saying, watch these things. You can notice these things in you. They're there and they're alive. So you don't need to receive visions. You just need to open yourself to all the parts of you and to listen. So savvy souls, I hope this week, this month, this year, you will start listening to all the pieces of you. Love you guys so much. See you next week. 
So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.